The Word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the Word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our Saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's Word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to bromleytownchurch.com. Good morning to you. I am trusting that, uh, that you're well. Sorry, my voice has got a bit because I've been singing too much this morning. You know, when you get those older songs, the band were having a joke at me because they know that I know them. And uh, it was great. Well done, Victoria. That was a good time of worship. Thank you, band. Guys, I want to say a huge thank you to everybody who serves in the church. There's so many people, not only the band and the worship team and the guys on the sound desk, but the people upstairs serving with the children and everything. I want to say a huge thank you to you. We, we do say it every now and again, but we don't say it often enough. And thank you very much for everybody. It's what everybody does together that makes the church operate. It's not about me. It's about what everybody else is doing, serving. And so whether you're serving in our life groups and our community groups, I'm not quite sure what the name is. I've forgotten at the moment. <laughs> So you can see the sort of problems I'm having, but thank you, everybody. I really appreciate it, and thank you, because without you, the work can't carry on. So bless God for all that you do. Thank you for that. Praise God. Here we are. If you weren't here last week, wow, you missed a cracking time, you know. Well, I don't know about the sermon, but it, the rest of it was brilliant. Last week, we started off a, ser- a sermon series you can see here. We're calling it God's Training Ground. And it's lessons from the life of David. So we were looking last week at David. We were looking at how David was anointed king by Solomon. Now, just a few things I want to keep in your minds as we go through this series, or certainly as we go through the early part of the series. Last week, we learned this factor, or not we learned this factor, David was anointed king. So this young lad comes, and he is anointed king by uh, by. Samuel, gosh. Did I say Solomon? I did, didn't I? Yeah, you see, that's just going through my mind. I'm thinking, oh, no. That's another story coming later. The thing is, Saul is still king. So all this, you know what? God has said, David, you're going to be king. So he gets that special treatment from Samuel. And yet he's still going off and thinking like, well, what about Saul? And I say that just to sow into the back of our minds this thing. So often we expect God has said it's all going to happen instantly. And it's not like that. I think when we look at the life of David, we see something that is much more real to our situations than we care to imagine. God has said, and yet when is it going to happen? And we're finding we're having to live by faith. We're having to live looking at God. We're having to live trusting in God for that. So that's one point I just want to keep in the back of your mind. And I just want to remind you as well what God said to Samuel. Last week we read this, 1 Samuel 16 verse 7. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. The Lord does not look at the things that man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. So let's just keep those things in the back of our mind as we press on. Today, 
The subject is called Defeating Giants. Defeating Giants. As I've said, Saul is still in the position of being king of Israel. The Philistines, they are fighting against Israel. And we're just going to read a little bit of a passage from 1 Samuel 17, just so that we can get into the story. Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Socho in Judah. They pitched camp at Ephes Damin between Socho and Azekah. I'm glad that's over with. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in their valley of Elah and drew up their battle lines to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another, with a valley between them. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. Well, go into that in a minute. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. So that's our story. Now, as you can see, I've got my prop here. What did it say? It said something about, uh, well, there was, we don't know how tall he was with that part. It actually is about over nine feet high. Nine feet high. Now, I've measured this, okay? Seriously. And I'm not talking about, I'm talking about from the ground up here. Now I can see everybody. Okay, Bob, I'm right at the back row, and John, I can see you there, guys. Okay, nobody can hide. This is how tall it is. Now, who can I have to come out? Jack, I think I need Jack, because Jack is just changing his name to David. Because actually, no kidding, this is, this is about his age. Okay, do you get, I mean, obviously, this guy was a bit more pumped up than me. I am a mere, a mere skinny giant. But this gives you some idea of what we're talking about. David. <laughs> so there am I. I am standing there. Across the valley are the armies of Israel. And I'm just saying, guys, <laughs> why don't you come? Just send up one and fight with me. And then if he beats me... And you can see what's going on. People are just looking and they're thinking like, <gasps> David, you can sit down for a minute. Thank you very much. Thank you. That was the moment. That's it, Jack. Thank you for that. So I'm not actually going to preach for the rest of here because I could fall off this. It reminds me of those old pulpits they used to have. You see in a church, you know when they used to climb up into the... Man, it's quite scary up here. I suppose it's to give that idea of them being a giant and being able to see everybody. This is what Goliath was like. Well, not exactly, but you've got the idea. This high, this high, 
So he is intimidating. And this guy who is this high is intimidating the armies of Israel. That may come in again a bit later on. So I just wanted you to get an idea. Now he's wearing this bronze helmet. And again, all of these weights in shekels. I know this. He's got this this uh, spear, and it says it's like a weaver's rod. So it's a great thick piece of metal. Just the iron tip on it is 15 pounds. So you, this is the sort of thing, you know, we would have trouble lifting it and moving it around. But for him, he's just got his hand around it to throw. It gives you the idea, this guy is huge. And he's intimidating. And he's standing there, and he is declaring to Israel, he's defying Israel that they should come and fight with him. So we just want to unpack this story this morning through six points. And the first point is this. Giants cause fear. Giants cause fear. Here is Goliath declaring that the Philistines will fight against any one particular person. And if that one particular person beats Goliath, then, then Israel will win the battle. But you see, what it said was what we read... When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. What can we do? We don't know what to do. When, in fact, in the King James it says this, when Saul and all Israel heard the words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. And you know what? When we look at giants, we tend to have fear that comes upon us. When we read that story, we don't really get the impression. If you read it actually when you go home in 1 Samuel chapter 17, read the whole story, you're everything in perspective. But this had been going on for 40 days. Every day, I don't know what time of day, the armies would gather. So they'd literally come out of their tents, perhaps after breakfast. All right, guys, let's gather up. So all Israel gathers, and all the Philistines gather. And then Goliath, every day, would come out and, and make his claim to Israel. Right, just send up somebody to fight against me. Forty days this had been going on for. So it's not as though they hadn't got used to it. But you see what happens when you face a giant. When you face a giant, it's like you become paralyzed. You don't know what to do. Because you'd have thought in 40 days they'd have come up with something. Somebody had worked on some strategy, for goodness sake. Can we not, you know, get our heads together? Can we not think of some way? Israel was paralyzed. And you know what happens in our own lives? We have giants. The giants have many different names. They're not called Goliath. They can be called all sorts of things like going for a job interview, meeting new people, standing in a room by yourself. All sorts of strange things that, that we have in our lives that, that become giants to us. Things that have gripped our lives that are giants. Habits that have gripped hold of us. Whether it be alcohol or drugs or all sorts of things. Sexual issues that grip our lives. They become giants to us. And you know, every now and again we say, we're going to face those giants. But suddenly, when we seek to do that, it's as though the giants themselves paralyze us. And we don't know what to do. And it's like day after day after day after day. You'd have thought we'd have come up with a strategy. You'd have thought we'd have done something. But there's something about a giant that seems to paralyze us and to hold us in a place of fear. And that is exactly what had happened to the Israelites. To some people, the giants that may be in my life, they seem nothing to somebody else. 
And the giants in your lives, they may see nothing to me. But it doesn't matter. The giant that you have in your life seems to be huge, seems to be terrifying, and he seems to defy the things of God in your life. Giants cause fear. Second point, see giants for what they are. See giants for what they are. Even though we have just seen how different David was, Jack was, compared to me on the stepladder as Goliath, David could see what Goliath was really like. We didn't find that David was saying like, wow, Goliath, you're so huge. You're so muscly. You've got such training behind you. Who am I to consider who you are? I'm nothing as you. We don't find David saying that. If we read the passage in the scripture, we find David saying this. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? You see, David could see through the giant, as it were. He could certainly see the giant for what he really was. David knew who God was. He knew that God was all-powerful, always present. He knew that God was good. He knew that he was loved by God. He knew that he was secure in God. David knew who God was. And in fact, the very words that he used showed that he knew God. Who on earth is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the very armies of the living God? Goliath was a real giant. And the giants that we face, they are very real to us. However, when we gain a true perspective of God, God becomes more and more real to us too. We understand who God is. We understand what God can do. And when we are like David in that place, we are moved to a different position. Uncircumcised Philistine, what David was saying is, well, let's put it another way. If you were to become part of Israel, then the sign that you had entered into the covenant and been part of Israel was that you were circumcised as a man. So to call somebody uncircumcised, you're saying to them, there's no way that they can be part of Israel. There's no way that their God can be our God. They are defying who we are. So to claim that he is an uncircumcised, you're not even one of us. Who do you think you are? That is what David is saying to this giant. Do we say such things to the giants in our lives? Or do they seem so big that we're paralyzed by them? It says that the people who know their God, they shall do exploits. The people who know their God. And in Psalm 9 verse 10, which David himself wrote, those who know your name will trust in you. When we understand who God is, then it's automatic for us to put our faith in him because there is no one like our God. How do we gain perspective of God? We gain perspective of God through the reading of his word. The revelation of who he is comes through the reading of his word. God reveals himself through the scriptures and as we read the scriptures... Not necessarily that we understand every part of the scripture, but as we read the scripture, God reveals who he is and what he is like. So that as we're reading stories, 
even though they're not necessarily what we thought was about God, we start to find out aspects of his character which help to strengthen us and encourage us. That is one way that we can gain perspective of God. We can get perspective of God by praying. Because as we pray, we're having fellowship with God. We're entering into conversation with God. But it's not just about entering into that conversation. As we pray and as we go deeper in prayer, we are expecting God's presence to come to us. His presence, again, encourages and strengthens our hearts. And of course, as we declare praise of him, we are declaring who he is. Just as we heard that testimony from Yomi this morning, when he was declaring that this is the day that the Lord has made, how God came and helped him in that circumstance. He is declaring that God is above even a blowout of a car tire. God can keep us safe. He is able to do the things that we are unable to do because he is almighty God. And you know, when you spend time in the word, when you read some of the stories in the Bible, they strengthen your heart. You feel encouraged. You feel emboldened. David had become emboldened. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he can defy? To defy means that you are challenging the power of somebody. You see, David knew what God was like. He is able to do all things. And he was so convinced in his ability that when he's looking at the giant, and there he is standing way above him, but when he is looking at the giant, he's saying like, who is this guy? that he should defy my God, because my God is bigger than him. You know at school, you get kids who go around and they say, like, oh, my dad's bigger than your dad. You know, obviously Goliath's son was in a bit of a result in that case, because <laughs> it was actually true. But so often it just means that my dad is more able than your dad. Our God is more able than anything else. He is able to do all things. He is all-powerful, he is almighty, he is all-knowing, he is everywhere present, and he is able to do the things that we as human beings cannot do. That is the God that David had put his trust in. And therefore he was able to say, who is this guy that he should even defy? That he would seek to stand against what our God is like. He is an uncircumcised Philistine. There's nothing to me. We need to see giants for what they really are. Third point, grow faith to defeat giants. We need to grow our faith. Maybe sometimes it's not just that you say like, right, today, Goliath, bring him on, I'm ready for him. We need to grow our faith so that we can get to a place like David was in where he was able to say that of Goliath. Now, when it came to the point and I know that I'm jumping in the story, or I haven't read the whole story. David, having seen Goliath come up, he actually starts to make it known, I could go and fight this blow. I'm prepared to go. And it's a bit amazing, really. You've got all these other trained soldiers, and you've got this young whippersnapper of a lad who's saying, like, I'm prepared to go. And the other soldiers, they're also scared. Oh, yeah, okay. They, they don't sort of say, like, there's no way. They're, they're, okay. So he gets to see Saul, the king. Now the king, understandably, was rather concerned about this new soldier that had come forward. I mean, Jack, come up here again, because you are a great example. Because we want to get people in the picture. 
Okay, you're king of Israel, and you know that if your man gets beaten, you've lost. And this is your man. Okay, so you have seen the giant. Be understanding. Giants in our lives are real. They are big. They dominate. They hold us in a place where we feel paralyzed. But don't worry, we've got an answer. It's in this young lad. You can sit down now. Thanks, Jack. <laughs> Jack, it may come up again. It's, you know. So Saul, naturally, he's looking at the offering that he's being given, and he's thinking like, yeah, okay. He obviously needs some reassurance. In actual fact, Saul's first words to him, I, um, I don't really think you're fit. That's really what the king is saying. But David comes straight back to him, and he says this. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. Not exactly the words you want to hear, is it? You know, your servant has actually been in military training right from a baby. That's what you're wanting to hear, but he doesn't. He says, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the Philistine. Hallelujah. Don't you feel the strength in this young lad? That's the faith that we need to have. That's the faith that we need to have. There is a confidence in who God is that David is carrying with him. And he has said, you know what, look, I've had my faith tested. I've had my faith strengthened. Because when I've just been as a young lad looking after the sheep, and we've had lions come to take our sheep, you know what, no lion is going to take our sheep. Lion, come here. And he went out and he killed the lion. Now, if the lion raised its paw against him, David killed the lion. If the bear raised its paw against David, David killed the bear. And he said, these animals, who does this guy think he is? If I've killed the animals and God helped me. You see, this is the issue. And God has helped me. God has been with me. He has carried me through. What are the things that you have decided to forget about? that God has done for you, and he carried you through. The old song that says, count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you of what the Lord has done. So the testimony we heard this morning, where Yomi is saying, I felt that darkness come over me. He didn't use that word, but he felt that, that sadness come over him. And God delivered him. If God is able to deliver me from the fast lane of the M25, he is able to deliver me in this situation. You see, there becomes a new confidence in who God is. David had that confidence. But you have to train yourself. Let's remember what God has done. And it's not that we put ourselves, oh great, I'm going to try and burst my car tire in the fast lane. No, 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 no. That's stupidity, okay? But we know that God takes us through trials. 
He takes us through testings. Why? Because he's training us. And not everybody needs the same training. Because we're not all supposed to be doing the same job. But God takes us through things that are necessary for our lives, for the things that he wants to use us for. That is training so that you can say, my God is able to help and deliver me in this circumstance. So as we look back, we look back with remembrance of what God has done for us, just as David did. Now for Saul, he's listening to this, and actually that's my next point, so I should just look at my notes for a second. As Saul is listening to this, point four, man-made protection won't work. So we're in the midst of this story. There is David explaining about the lion and the bear. And in some degree, Saul gets some confidence. Well, yes. But then it's almost like as David turns to go, hang on a second, David, why don't you put my armor on? So the next thing is David is being given Saul's armor to put on. So this young lad, he's now having this weighty armor. And don't forget, this is metal. You've all seen armor, not like the... the, the the armor. This is the sort of the, the mesh jackets that's right down from the, the top to the bottom. It's heavy. So he puts all this on David, and David is suddenly finding like, oh, well, I, I, obviously I want protection. He's not stupid. I, I can't go out in this. And you see what happens, though, so often we start with faith. There's an element in which David has been declaring faith. I can go against this giant because of what my God has done. My God has delivered me from the lion. My God has delivered me from the bear. And when he raised his paw against me, I killed him. God has been with me and he has delivered me. And you're just getting on that wave of faith and you're going for it. And then suddenly it's like, oh, but hang on a second. Don't forget he's scary. Don't forget he's got a big spear. Don't forget he's got a javelin. Don't forget he's got a big sword. You've got no armor. You need protection. You need to make sure you've done these things. And suddenly there's all of these man-thinking things that come against him. And he's standing there in Saul's armor, being dressed with that. Yes, in, one, in man's thinking, it's sensible. But that's it. In man's thinking, it's sensible. He's gone away from that place of walking by faith to walking by sight. Do you remember that Mark Daniel was sharing with us just a few weeks ago on that very subject about how easy it is for us to start in a position of faith where we're believing, but suddenly it's like, oh, we let our minds kick in. <gasps> Hang on a second, that's stupid. Let me just put some armor on. And you find yourself walking away from a position of believing in what God is able to do to a place where man is taking control and you're thinking, I need to be sensible. Now, I'm not suggesting that everything that God asks us to do seems not sensible, seems stupid. But I am saying this, our minds are quick to take over and we want to protect ourselves. And suddenly we've got David, this young lad of faith, and he's standing there, he's got a bronze helmet on, he's got a mesh jacket on, he's feeling weighed down, he's being given a sword to strap on, and he's thinking like, man, I don't need this. We need to get back to a position of faith. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, 
put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag and with his sling in his hand approached the Philistine. He is trusting in God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. That's David's gone back to a place of faith. He's gone back to that place of where he knows that God can help him and how he has overcome before. He goes back to that place and that's where he gains his confidence. Right, let's go out. Let's go out and meet the Philistine. Man-made protection won't work. Man-made protection won't work. If you're fighting spiritual battles, you need spiritual armor. You're fighting battles with God, you need to do it God's way. Our thinking so often takes us away from the things that God wants to do. Point five, God prepares the heart. Now David has gone from Saul's presence... He's gone just as himself, as the shepherd boy, his staff. He's got his little bag with the stones in and his sling. And he just goes down into the valley. You can see he's going down into the valley as Goliath is coming towards him. Meanwhile, it says, the Philistine with his shield bearer in front of him kept coming closer to David. You know the perspective, as you get closer, so the giant starts to get bigger. He looked David over and saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Goliath's up here. He's looking, he's like, is that the best you got? Is that dog? Is he a dog? That you, do you think I'm a dog? That you're coming at me with a little stick? It, you want to sort of like play with me? It, it, is that what it's about? That's where Goliath is coming from. He's looking down at David. And he, inside he's just laughing. He, he curses him with his gods. But David is looking strongly at him. I have to be careful, actually, because it's a bit, a bit dangerous up there. <laughs> you can imagine the guy thinking, like, he's not even armed for battle. This is a joke. But you see, Goliath is doing what we do as men and women. He's looking at the outside. What he sees is the young boy. He sees his complexion. He sees the fact that he hasn't got any armor. He sees just how small he is, how lithe he is, how... He's, he's nimble and able, but he's not trained. He's a nothing. He's looking at the outside. What does God look at? God looks at the heart. You see, on the outside, Goliath sees a young lad. On the inside, God sees a giant killer. And that's the difference. On the outside, it doesn't look like anything. But on the inside is a giant killer. And the giant killer is coming towards the giant. But that's what God has done in the heart of David. We so often are worrying about the outside. We're so often looking at what somebody or how big somebody is. That boss at work, 
who is intimidating you, the person who you're working with in the office that you find so difficult and you find there's no way that you could ever come close to being like them or taking on the roles that they take on. Many situations. I can't even begin to think of all of the giants that we face. But I know this, that God is bigger than any giant. And people look at the outside of us and they think, oh, this is what they're like. They can't do this. They can't do that. But God is looking at the inside. And as we give our hearts to God, and as we let God touch our hearts, he is able to change us from young, small people into people who are giant killers on the inside. He gives us that ability inside of us that we can be the ones who can overcome. So here David comes down, and he comes down to meet Goliath. He says to the Philistine, oh, so this is point six, overcoming in the name of the Lord. David comes down. David says to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. He really is God's representative in this situation. The God that I serve, the God who I walk with, the God who walks with me, the God who I have fellowship with, you have defied him by saying that you're standing against him. Who are you that you should say such things? I'm coming at you in the name of the Lord. You come at me with shield and spears, but I come at you in the name of the Lord. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran towards the battle line to meet him. <coughs> Excuse me. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone, sank, uh, st the stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. Goliath is dead. Now, let me just say a couple of things here. But what about that fantastic stone and the sling? It was all about that. You know, I know that that's what David used in terms of killing Goliath. But it's not all about that. You know, in Judges, you read about the fact that amongst the Benjamites, there was 700 left-handed men who could use a sling and they could fire a stone at a hare and not miss. And I'm not talking about hare as in a rabbit. I'm talking about a hair of your head. See, this was a military tool that could be used with tremendous accuracy. The weapon that David overcame with or that used was the sling. But the weapon he overcame the giant with was the name of the Lord. And that's so important for us to get into our hearts. Because if, we're, well, you know, if I learn how to use this, the sling and I get accurate at that, then I can bring down my giants. No, 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 no. The weapons of our warfare are mighty for the pulling down of strongholds. Our God is the name, and it's in the name of our God that we have power to overcome the giants, the demons that come against us. Look, what demons, what giants are you facing in your lives? 
Giants of fear. Giants of unbelief. Things that terrorize you. People that terrorize you. Situations that terrorize you. Habits that terrorize you. They keep shouting at you. They hold you in their grip because they want to be a giant to you. But we want to say to those giants, in the name of the Lord of hosts, we command the giants of our lives to depart from us. We want to bring them down with the use of the weapons that we have been given so that we can see the giants crumbling. I want you to have confidence in God this morning. I want you to realize, Jack, come up for one last time. This is your final appearance. Because I want you to have this picture in your mind. Uh, guys, you can come up. I want you to have this picture in your mind. I want you to go home and I want you to think about this. Because the giants appear like I am. He, Goliath was over nine feet tall. And he was wider than me. I was trying to think who I could ask to come up here, but I thought, no. Because if there was anybody who possibly was wider than me, that wouldn't necessarily be the case. He's, he's over nine feet tall. David is down here. Mentally, thinking about it, there's no way. And we can use weapons, and maybe we could have a go. But listen, we overcome giants in the name of the Lord. We overcome giants by reflecting back on what God has done in our lives already. Jack, you can sit down. And I want to thank you, Jack, for that. You did a great version of David. Bless you. But seriously, what are the giants that we're facing? Because God wants to release us from the giants. He wants us to have the boldness to be able to say to the giants in our lives, who are these uncircumcised Philistines that they should defy the armies of the living God? Because the giants come up against us. What are, we, are, they, are they family situations? Where you've fallen out with a brother or a sister? Or you've fallen out with your children? And you can see no way in the natural to have those relationships restored? Are they the giants that we're talking about? Are they the giants of, if I go to my office and I actually say to the people, I was in church on Sunday, would they all fall off their chairs in amazement because I'm too afraid to stand up for my God? Is that the giant that you're facing? Is it that you're afraid to announce that you actually belong to this living God? Is it that you have habits in your lives that have gripped you? And it may be smoking, or it may be alcohol, or it may be drugs, but it could be a number of different things. There are habits that you cannot throw off because they are giants and they've gripped you. We have to look at the giants. They may be large, but we need to come at them in the name of the Lord. As it says in 2 Corinthians uh, 10, 4, about the weapons of our warfare. Let me just quote it to you. It says, the weapons we fight with Father. Oh, you need to hear this. Listen, it says, the weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of this world. We keep trying to fight our battles with the weapons of this world. They will not overcome. 
The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. God is here. And God is here to help you. I don't know what giants you're facing. I don't know what intimidation comes against you, but I know this. You can't fight it in your own strength, and you can't fight it with the world's weapons. You can only fight it with faith in God. Maybe you just need to sit there and reflect back on what God has already done to know that he has confidence and you gain confidence in him to know that he is more than able to do things in the future. Maybe you need to come before him this morning or you need to even shout at your giants, who do you think you are that you should defy God? But I want you to do business with God this morning. You see what it looks like. You see what a giant looks like. We need to tell the giants in our lives it's time to go because we're trusting in God that he will deliver us. Thanks, guys.